0: Hey there, White Sox fans, it's Brett Ballantini here hosting another Southside Sox podcast. I believe this is number 11, and I'm again joined by Colleen Sullivan, writer, podcaster, woman about town for Southside Sox. Welcome back, Colleen. Let's talk some White Sox.
1: I guess two podcasts does make me a podcaster, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, how about that? woo Congratulations. Welcome.
1: <laughs> Go me.
0: Hey, listen, uh, It's uh, I guess we're in the aftermath of a uh, holiday weekend. Uh, things have been very quiet, unlike a year ago when the uh, White Sox beat everybody to the punch. Rick Hahn quickly signed Yasmani Grandal and sort of knocked every White Sox fan back on their high knees and said, what is going on? Is this the White Sox team I know? <laughs> been told that uh, it 's going to be a lot quieter off season because of the fact that the major leagues lost eleven billion dollars or whatever, so nobody 's going to pay for anything uh, so in other words, you know we 're not making any promises white sox fans, but that said, there probably will be some moves uh, but I think we 're going to start off. This podcast talking a little bit, looking a little bit backwards at 2020 and maybe judging Rick Khan for what he did and what was really his most ballyhooed offseason yet, the 2020 offseason. season. number of different signings and one controversial trade. Uh, you can read articles that are depicting uh, the, the value of everybody on the team and specifically what ran on Monday was a bit of a report card on Rick Hahn and sort of how he did the the good moves he made and the poor moves he made. So I guess not necessarily just parodying the article written, Colleen, what jumps out at you as, if not the most valuable acquisition of this last offseason, just the one that jumps out to you as the best?
1: You know, I have to say I mean, and outside of, like, extending Jose Abreu and all of that stuff, I think the best offseason move he made was signing Dallas Keuchel because we know that the bullpen has been a problem, and it has been a problem for a long time. And, you know, with Rodon being injured and everyone – saying well Giolito's 2019 year might have been a fluke and you know all of the other nonsense going around they really needed like a good solid veteran presence in that bullpen and I think that position was filled by Dallas Keuchel he came in with the maturity he came in with the knowledge he had the postseason experience and you know obviously all of the noise around the Astros in their <laughs> trash can <laughs> bonanza.
0: We knew we'd work that in.
1: <laughs> yeah. I had to get it in somewhere. Um, but I really think that getting Dallas Keuchel, getting him in, like we can't just have Jose be the only veteran on the team, right? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Dallas Keuchel's still kind of a young guy, um, but he's still, he has that experience. He's got the Cy Young. He's got all of these great credentials, that you know the young pitching prospects can really look up to and he can provide a good stable presence in the bullpen
0: and guys listen Uh, the, the the article's on the the front page so i mean it's easy enough to find you've probably read it already but it'll be linked here in this podcast as well what jumps out at me colleen about dallas is all the stuff you just mentioned of course is leadership wasn't something necessarily we were certain he was going to bring to this to right. the staff and he brought it more than to just the staff he's the guy who called out the team as as they were just lagging into august uh something mm-hmm. that apparently ricky raniria said you know he did but you know didn't really actually talk about it didn't seem very pleased that that keichel actually came out and talked about it but you know if you want to right. a coincidence or not yeah, if there's a delineation point between the White Sox being a, a lousy team and disappointing once again, and a team that made a run into first place and actually, you know, did make the playoffs in 2020. It's Dallas Keuchel saying, guys, I mean, guys, we suck. You yeah. Know? I mean, well,
1: and like, this is not something that we see a lot in the White Sox. You know, we don't – this isn't the NFL, the NFL players call each other out in the media all the time in hockey to a smaller extent in the NBA. Like this is not something we're used to seeing in major league baseball as a whole, first of all. And then secondarily within the white Sox dugout, like they're very much keeping everything in the dugout, keeping everything in the locker room. We're not going to say shit in the press. It's all going to be, well, yes, I talked to the team and like, I'm sure Ricky did say, like, hey, you guys are playing terrible. <laughs> but it but you know what at the same time, he's not Clint Hurdle. You know, he's not he's not even like Bruce Boshi or Mike Sosha. Like he's not a really big like screaming in your face guy. And yeah, I mean there's something to be said for like not having Bobby Knight on the bench. But you do need someone who's going to say, you know what? And it this isn't fun. Losing sucks. Like you think of the scene in Moneyball where Brad Pitt walks in the locker room and they're all dancing. Mm. It's like, why are you guys having fun? Like you just yeah. fucking lost. Yeah. You know, and, and there's something to be said for having at least a balance there.
0: And Let's not forget, too, he, you know, as a person who was participating in the Zoom session where Dallas sort of went off. This wasn't prompted. Obviously there was a right. question that was like, hey man, you guys sort of stink, you know, in a polite way. But he's the one who did this. And he and he returned to it a couple different times within I mean he he had maybe it wasn't a hundred percent deliberate agenda, but he had an agenda to bring this up, you know, he, yep. he he wasn't prodded and provoked. So, you know, this was leadership that I am not sure we expected to see from, especially you know, as you acknowledge. Listen, coming from Houston, you know, you don't know. He skated by when when sort of forced during the the the, the happy talk time of Sox fest, to sort of pay lip service to acknowledging, um, you know, given that the, the everything was sort of coming out with it around that time or had just come out. Okay. Right. Uh, but he, he really, you know, not that you'd expect to rake him over the coals necessarily. He's in the new acquisition, but, uh, and he certainly wasn't volunteering a lot of information about it. <laughs> no, uh, but, uh, you know, it's fair for fans who've said, okay, well, what was this guy about? You know, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's got Cy Young and yeah, he's, he's been a world series, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you don't mm-hmm. necessarily know if he's a selfish player or not. Unless I forget, you know, you point out his, his, his leadership. Um, and that's astute, but, uh, You know, you take average war, he was the most valuable pitcher on the White Sox last year. He was the third most valuable player on the team last year. He delivered. And I think what's encouraging, too, is his craftiness. You know, we can play that up too much. But there's a lot of talk these days in the Hall of Fame ballad of one Mark Burley, a guy who's pretty crafty (laughs) as well. The thing that's nice about Keuchel is in this very short season, he paid off with surplus value in his first year with the White Sox by pitching very well. And he's a guy who isn't necessarily going to fall off the table because his arm's going to die and he won't have his fastball. He's Mm -hmm. a guy who's Learn to paint. He depends on it. He depends on having mm-hmm. an umpire who's working with him. And yep. that bodes well for the remainder of the contract. That's not necessarily going to be something where, you know, a couple of years from now, holy cow, we're in the hole for 20 million bucks in value because he just absolutely disappeared and the White Sox, you know, dumped him like Kelvin Herrera.
1: Yeah, I mean, and he's not going to turn into Chris Sale, right? Like, Chris Sale goes to the Red Sox and he's hurt all the time and he's got to get surgery and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I think Keuchel, we're going to see him perform very well for at least the duration of his contract, if not for probably about 75% of the contract. You know, not knowing what's going to happen in the future, knowing that pitchers tend to be injury-prone, it's a very – um it's a very hard position on your body it's hard on your arm, your hip your you know all of that good stuff um but i'm I'm pretty optimistic about where D- Dallas Keiko is going to end up. I don't think he's going to regress. I think he's going to stay the same or get better.
0: You heard it here first, Colleen Sullivan, throwing <laughs> down the gauntlet now hopefully that will have the same effect as as encouragement or criticism or high expectations had on Jose Abreu who, who became the MVP yeah. and ended up being the very best surplus value on the team now listen there were plenty yep. of bad uh, values and bad moves as well uh. for the White Sox and in fact you know if you do read the article pretty much the yep. good the bad cancel out which um, by White Sox terms for an offseason actually probably qualifies as like an A minus off season because they've tended to have pretty lousy ones, particularly when you're talking about free agent signings, but there were a couple turkeys this year as well. Is there something, again, not necessarily paying only attention to value, Colleen, but something that jumps out at you that just whether, whether it felt good at the time and, and turned sour or you didn't like it from the start. Looking back now at 2020, what's the move that you're really least happy with? So
1: I gotta say there's two that I'm the all least right. happy with. Like, um, first and foremost being Nomar Mazzara, I was not into him when they signed him. So I I don't just watch the White Sox, right? I watch a whole t- I watch a lot of baseball just all year round. I love it. Baseball's my favorite. And a few years ago, I almost moved to like the Dallas area. So I you know, being like, okay, well, the Rangers are going to be my home team if we move to Dallas, sure. and started reading up on the Rangers and started following them really well, and I remember and then in 2019, um, we went to a game in Cincinnati, they played the Rangers, so I had I had a lot of exposure to the Texas Rangers. Now, having said that, I was not excited about Nomar Mazara. <laughs> I was, like, when everyone's, oh, he's so great, he had a home run, like, 500 feet, it's still flying, it's in Arizona, you know, like, (laughs) I was like, no, God, like, this is a, this is a problem, like, he's not worth this, like, we need a better right fielder, we need a solid right fielder, um, and let's all admit, I was a big Yassiel Puig fan, I really wanted him, but then, you know, everything that's coming out right now with his the criminal issues. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad yeah. that that didn't end up happening just because with all of that going on. And then with Tony La Russa, like <laughs> it would just be a little Tasmanian devil of <laughs> PR messiness. And God knows the Sox need a better PR team. Um, But I, I distinctly remember when they signed Nomar Mazzara, I went, Oh shit. <laughs> because, yeah. Having watched, you know, having followed the Rangers for a few years and having watched him on the Rangers, I was like, no, this is bad. The guys, this is bad. This isn't like, no, 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 no. Like, ugh. Yeah, I think
0: um, what, what, what's frustrating is, is, not necessarily the move itself. It's not, you know, you're you're, you're flipping. Um, I mean, it turned out to be a pretty highly rated White Sox outfield prospect, which doesn't yep. necessarily, in Steel Walker doesn't necessarily mean much just because he's high up on the White Sox list because the mm-hmm. system is is getting thin. But, so it's not necessarily what was given up, or even what was paid in real. arbitration. It's, it's the
1: Steel Walker is a good baseball name. Like we yeah. gave up a quality baseball name. <laughs> <laughs> Saying nothing else.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think what's frustrating is, is that that was the move. Yeah, You know, if you're bringing in Nomar Mazzara, and maybe you've got an eye toward a platoon, and maybe you've brought in an, another, a, 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 perhaps a right-handed bat, and you're thinking, okay, you know mm-hmm. what, I'm going to let these guys duke it out in spring training. I'm not going to just necessarily hand it to this guy that we're just taking a flyer on. We've had a lot of flyers and it listen, it's not to say the Han didn't shore up some positions. You know, we just talked about Keikel as yep. Martin Grandal obviously really took care of behind the plate. So it's not like, you know, he, he punted on the off season. And, you know, we're asking right. a lot of them, but there's been a hole in right field for what seems like my whole lifetime. It's certainly been a number of <laughs> years. And uh, you know that I think that's what's a little frustrating it's not necessarily just putting a microscope under the the move of Gideon yep. Mazar and the fact that he obviously did not perform in the yeah. least it's that that's sort of it and then when it's not working out and he gets his yearly strep throat or you know he's in a little slump there's really nowhere else to go and I think that's what's mm-hmm. a little frustrating as a fan
1: oh I think I lost you for
0: a and we're back now with Colleen yep. and so- <laughs>
1: <laughs> technical difficulties.
0: <laughs> okay. So no Marmazara. All right. So you decided to be a, you know, a Rangers fan yeah. girl for a while. You you you, <laughs> you you got a little bit of the inside dope on me. Okay. Listen, you know, fine. That's a move. It obviously didn't work out. You had a nope. funny feeling about it in the first place. And frankly, I think most fans were like, eh, okay, let's, you know, sort of like an ellipses situation where it's like, yeah. okay, if there's a part two, all right, I can live with it. Now, Enough, sorry, Rick Hahn, but apparently we're going to talk about <laughs> two moves we didn't like from the offseason. So, Colleen, hit me if you
1: <sighs> So, my other one, unfortunately, is Edwin. and <laughs> Like, I wanted to love him. I really, like, I was like, you know what? If he comes in and hits a million home runs, like, this is going to be great. But, have, again, having watched baseball – knowing how he performed on the Yankees, I was like, Ooh, I don't know about this one. Like he didn't, he didn't really put up great numbers for the Yankees and he's not, you know, I mean, he's older than I, and like, and I'm at the age where I'm like slowly, like I realize I'm slowly passing a lot of the players in the, you know, the age demographic. I mean, he's, he's older than I am. And yeah, he's a DH. That's great. But he was hitting probably about as well as I would. You know, like, that's optimistic, but you know what I mean? Like he wasn't, he's not putting up great numbers and you know what you want out of the DH, you want a guy that's just going to hit the fucking ball. You have one job, man. You know, it's, I want I don't want to say it's the Adam Dunn principle because Lord knows he was not that bad, but we still, you know, it's the, it's the same hole we had in the bullpen. It's the same hole we've had in right field. We've had these three big problems for a long time and you're putting a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. And, and you know, again,
0: it's, it, it's nice to be discussing a situation now where we're we're trying to go from, say, um, a 500 team to a little bit better. It's nice to have these expectations yeah. that say, hey, you know, you just got to do better. Um, you know, it, it's great that we can talk about Edwin Encarnacion, who, let's face it, was sort of like the, the cherry on top of the sundae because it's like, wow, yeah. Han, Han's going crazy. What now? He's like, all right, now it's, it's house money. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, because that was probably, uh, if I recall, about the last move of the offseason or the last signing. And and Ham was like, "Okay, we're still out there. All right, sure. What the heck? Yeah, let's, you know, let's give him 12 million and and see what he does. And that's fine. But again, like Mazzara, a frustrating situation because there really wasn't necessarily anywhere else to go. And Ricky probably didn't help the situation by insisting that Edwin was going to... was going to uh, increase his bat speed, like you know, he was going to sneeze and suddenly his bat was going to be faster through the zone, right? Um, you know, his quick twitch, you know, muscles were still there. Uh, when you know, it seemed clearly uh, they needed to at least be formulating a, a plan. Being if that's maybe Andrew Vaughn, hey, you might get a call, or you know, I don't know, maybe actually do make a trade instead of just Gerard Dyson. You know, maybe actually make a trade at the trade deadline.
1: Gerard Dyson, I mean, that just makes me laugh, because it was like, Rickon was like, oh, no, they're telling me I need to do something at the trade deadline. (laughs) Well, we'll take Gerard Dyson. You know, it's like, that was the most, I feel like it was the most white elephant trade deadline move he could have (laughs) made. It's kind of just how it felt. It was like, oh, you guys say we need to do something at the trade deadline? Well, here we are. And it was like, it's like a You know, you could have just done nothing.
0: And learning, and learning, (laughs) you know, and learning again, encouraging news, but it sort of ends up humorous, probably because we just sort of like to laugh at the team sometimes as well. And yeah, the news that, you know, Renneria and Han and Ken Williams and who knows, I think maybe Jerry Reinsdorf and like 18 laters all like sat down and had a chat at the trade deadline about like, who would be a good ad. And I assume that's sort of like, do you want to add a jackass, like, you know, Clevenger on your team or something? I'm sure. I assume it sort of had something to do with that. Like, Hey, is this, do you feel like these, this guy's going to be a good fit, but the idea that they have this chat and then the acquisition, and that's what you got, huh? splendid really, guy the, but uh yeah i sort mean i have nothing
1: against him it was just kind of like really that that's what you guys all decided on like Ho-
0: hopefully rick kept his notes from that meeting so he doesn't have to have that whole meeting again this year he'll be able to say yeah. oh yeah that's right Keiko liked this guy all right i'll go for him because you know you don't <laughs> want to have to go through that again and then end up you know with like uh you know, a, a tracy a, a, a thompson or something you know whatever tracy oh, all right <laughs> so uh, his career you know um rick ended up you know sort of at least by number and and by value you know sort of breaking even which again as i said earlier probably qualifies yep. as a stellar off season it's certainly a uh enough of a difference to believe that, you know, in, in the 2020s, um, things might be different and we're not going to be saddled with the LaRoches and, and, and Duns and, oh, God. and some of the odd other moves to the Jeff Kepinger's of the league. And, and maybe there will be uh, better moves going forward. And and certainly somewhere, uh, an area that Han, I think, gets incredible credit for, again, sort of playing with house money, playing with known quantities, but the extensions for Abreu, which, again, might have yep. been driven more by Jerry Reinsdorf, certainly with the amount of money given, than Rakan might have. But Luis Robert, again, duplicating mm-hmm. the Aloy Jimenez deal where it's like, here's a bunch of money before you played a major league game. Listen, if these are guys you think are going to carry you through the decade, yep. put your money where your mouth is. And then the great value extension of Aaron Bummer. Those are three extensions. I mean, I guess Abreu doesn't qualify as an extension, but... The guy who was on the team that uh, since they extended, uh, all working out so well, I am sure better than and than Han could have hoped for. Aaron Bummer yep. brought positive value to the team, and he pitched, I believe, in nine games. Um, that's if that's efficiency, man.
1: Yep. Yeah, and it's uh, Rick Han is not my favorite out <laughs> of all the G Like he, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Out of all the GMs, he's just not my favorite. And he never really has been. And Ken Williams has never been my favorite. And, you know, I have to say, they did a good job last year in the offseason. What worries me going into this offseason is Major League Baseball has had this line of, oh, the teams are losing all this money with COVID. And, you know, they're hemorrhaging money. And all these owners are going to be broke. And first of all, you own a baseball team, you're never going to be broke. I can be broke. I don't own a baseball team. <laughs> they will write off the losses. And that's because that's, you know, corporate accounting. They're just going to write off the season as a loss. And that's fine. They're allowed to do that. Like, it's a business. But these are billionaires. Don't cry poor to me. You know, like last season when the Ricketts are saying, oh, I don't have any money to do anything in the offseason. Like, don't cry. Come on. Don't cry poor. We oh, all know you're full
0: That's a special level of jackassery when you're talking Oh about yeah. Uh, y'all y'all invented TD and
1: Let's knock your shit off. You yes. know, like nobody believes that you guys are broke.
0: <laughs> all right, that wraps up our value discussion with Colleen Sullivan. So we're gonna take a short <laughs> break. Rick. Kenny, it's going to be safe to come back in the second half because we're not really Sorry, going to guys. talk specifically about you. We're going to talk a little bit about the minor leagues and the development that, that happened today, and then maybe take a big picture look at the minors, and we're going to address that when we come back in just a minute. Hey, welcome back. Brett Ballantini here with Colleen Sullivan, Southside Sox podcast number 11. In the second half here, we're going to talk a little bit about, well, the minor leagues in, in general, White Sox specifically, uh, some news issued today from uh, Major League Baseball, not a surprise. We are anticipating the Pioneer, Pioneer League would go away as a affiliate entity, and it did, and that does affect the White Sox and that they're what becomes, or what has been their high rookie team, you could say, uh, will no longer exist as an affiliate, and all the rookie play will be in the Dominican Republic and in Arizona. Um, what's the general feeling on your end, Colleen, uh, with the major leagues taking the odd move of sort of consolidating and reducing their number of teams, sort of reducing the amount of live baseball that fans can see, particularly in these areas, Montana, uh, areas of Colorado, Idaho, where you're you're otherwise not going to get it. And now those teams uh, are still going to play, but they're Mm -hmm. not, they're going to be unaffiliated. And obviously the standard of play is going to take a significant hit. So,
1: I don't know why major league baseball hates having fans. Like, I'm just going to say it, you know, they have all of these nonsense blackout rules and then they're getting rid of minor league teams and they're getting rid of, you know, they're turning leagues independent. And it's like, why do you hate having fans so much? You know, like I, I, it just, it escaped, like it boggles my mind. Like I've never seen a league that just hates having fans so much. Like, And for a larger discussion about the minor leagues, I mean, unionize the minors because, you know, these guys live on nothing, but cheese sandwiches and a prayer half the time. You know, Major League Baseball does a real disservice to the minor league players and the minor league teams. And I don't think eliminating divisions and eliminating teams out of, you know, the Northwest is going to fix anything like i don't i don't think i don't see this as being a great budgetary move because they run the minors on such a shoestring budget anyway like congratulations on saving 50 bucks
0: yeah i mean it's an interesting play and it makes you wonder if you know it's a move toward it seems major league baseball basically owning everything yep um, which could end up having some interesting results. You know, one of which is already played out today, where where one league is going to be developed, where it's going to be a prep league, where basically guys who are in high school in that dead time where they're not playing at all, and maybe I guess there were showcase events in the past, they're actually going to mm-hmm. be able to play competitively in a league, showcasing themselves against other potential draftees, um, and that's that actually is going. to... I like that twist to it, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, these are two different things we're talking about, but I think the long play here could be interesting for uh, significant urban areas, which let's face it, most, most teams are in, you know, there's the interesting rules where, you know, you can't have operate a minor league affiliate very close to a a, a major league city and so forth, which is sort of ludicrous when you're talking about place the size of Chicago, as if somehow the Schaumburg flyers, um, (laughs) the boomers or whoever are going to like somehow like, you know, I mean, if you're that paranoid, man, you better put a better product on the field. But if you own it all, maybe it doesn't matter. And how cool would it be to be able to go to Schaumburg and see, you know, Luis Robert, you know, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, You know, not saying that you should have, you know, 20 teams all in the Chicago area, but it's a wrinkle that I wonder if down the line you might see a little bit more of uh, because they're, it's it's all going to the same wallet now.
1: I kind of feel like what they're doing with consolidating the league and having that kind of like rookie showcase league, it, it reminds me of how the NHL treats, not necessarily like the AHL teams, which are the teams that are affiliated mm-hmm. with, the, you know, with the Blackhawks and right. the Red Wings and all of that stuff. It reminds me how you know, they treat the junior leagues in Canada, and how they treat, like, the leagues where players are between, like, high school and college, and if they're drafted, but they're not going to college, you know, like, the NHL has all these little, little offshoots, and that's kind of what this reminds me of. Um, now, if they're going to try and do it the same way the NHL does, they need to do it the same way the NHL does. Like, they can't just say, well, we have minor league teams now. Okay, bye. (laughs) Like, have fun. Here's a bunch of of dumb, arbitrary rules you have to follow. Ha ha ha. So, I want to see Major League Baseball do better to the minor leagues. I want to see them actually like, hey, you guys are affiliated with us. You're part of our Mm -hmm. league. Like, I want them to act like it.
0: You hope that you know, this can be a situation where there's a step back, where there's going to be fewer jobs. I mean, the, whites, the White yeah. Sox, you know, dumped, I want to say, virtually a team's worth of players uh, last year, sort of almost anticipating this earlier mm-hmm. than they needed to, I suppose. But I'm sure they weren't the only team doing doing yeah. that. Um, so you sort of assume, okay, even though this is a step back, it doesn't seem to be good. Well, maybe being under the Major League umbrella means things like, as you're pointing out, uh, up. Uh, pay and benefits is better. It can actually be considered a real job where guys aren't necessarily desperate and they're not asked to go to instructionals and get paid zero, get paid in peanut butter sandwiches for a month. And you hope that's the case. And you think, and you sort of assume it is because it like can't get worse, but you know, it can (laughs) always get worse. And and, you know, when things consolidate like this, often, even though, again, I can't envision how it could be worse. When you're consolidating like this, it usually is going in a worse direction. So I am a little fearful that somehow, maybe not initially, but down the line, somehow things get even worse for these guys. And like somehow one day there's like no pay for any of them. I mean, this this stuff seems ludicrous. But yeah, the consolidation and the lack of competition—I don't know that that is a good thing. And obviously, the players' association got to take a ding here too because they could care less about the minor leaguers.
1: And that's the thing. This, you know, what I want to see. In 2020, or at the end of 2020, 2021, when the collective bargaining agreement is up, what I would love to see out of the Players Association is that they take in the minor leaguers too, and that they negotiate with Major League Baseball so that the Players Union's collective bargaining agreement also covers those minor leaguers. I think that would be a really smart move from the Players Association. Because then you're being able to elevate those players. Because you know what? The guys in AAA, they're going to get called up at some point. And they can benefit from having that collective bargaining until they get called up. But they shouldn't, like, you're expecting these guys to stay in competitive shape. You're expecting them to be ready to go at the drop of a hat. You have to give them those tools. It's not just, here's the training facility, it's, hey, we're paying you a livable wage. Your rent is covered. Your food's covered. You can pay your bills. You can support your family. You can do all of these things. And I would love to see the players association get the minor league players covered under all of that too. Because at the end of the day, that's going to be the big, that's the power. Like the, the major play, the major league players have the power. The major league players association has that power. And I want to see them, you know, like help the guys out. Just because you guys made it doesn't mean, you know, you can't help someone out.
0: We're coming on Christmas, so we might as well just wish on a star and think that'll happen. Here's the problem, you know, these guys, <laughs> they get their taste and it's like, what? I was I ever a guy who had to sleep in a closet to like make ends meet? Nah, cause I'm making six figures now. It's tough mm-hmm. to stay hungry that way. And you know, you see like Chris Bryant's pissed and he should be pissed. But is he pissed enough? Is, is he angry enough? I mean, I'm guessing Eloy Jimenez was treated v- virtually the same way. Obviously, Bryant's was a, a, a far higher uh, profile situation and, and probably yeah. more egregious. But Eloy was, in posi- was really in position, I mean, I guess – Han and the White Sox saved their tails a little bit with the extension 2019 but it was it, it was looking rocky but I'm not seeing I feel it. like
1: that extension came out to prevent a Chris Bryant situation because I don't, I think if they didn't give him that extension they were getting
0: a grievance Yeah and I'm not seeing Aloy now being like hey you know what I know what almost happened to me I know I was kept down for 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 months when I shouldn't have been uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't see him spe- slamming his fist in the table and saying, "Hey, man, this is well, right." So,
1: so here's my feeling about stuff like that, and I think a lot of that comes from cultural differences. Like, not to use that as always being the lightning rod. Like, oh, the Dominican players and the Venezuelan players are so different from the U.S. players, but labor rights and unions and collective bargaining are very American things, right? Like we learn about labor unions in high school. You, this is something that we all grew up with as part of our consciousness. So players coming from Cuba, for instance, in the Dominican Republic in Venezuela, those aren't, those aren't really things there. They're Mm -hmm. not, you know, I mean, on a smaller scale, yes, But not in the same way it is in the U.S. So I think this is one of those things where the responsibility falls on the U.S. players to say, hey, this is what we can do. This this is the problem. This is what we can do to fix it. This is what we know. Because I don't think the responsibility needs to fall necessarily all on foreign-born players
0: I oh no not at all players. and I'm just throwing that as a first yeah. example oh, yeah. and I'm not trying to ding Eloy because uh, let's take Nick Madrigal he's a guy who was gamed his service yep. time was gamed he was happy to be in the majors and who knows maybe in the offseason he's thought about it and said hey man that sort of sucked but boy his initial comments were just like that's not even my business he was like mm-hmm. I mean and I get it you're not your first comments after getting called to the major league isn't going to be well that was bs that sucks <sighs> that they got me for another year but I mean Yep, I, 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 I'm skeptical. <laughs> I'm skeptical that it's going to change. I really hope it does. Yeah. And I hope the players do their side because it's one thing to point at the owners and say, hey, fat cats, put out your cigars and let's work something out mm-hmm. when the players are s- smoking cigars as well.
1: Yeah. And the own you know what? The owners are doing what owners do. It's in the contract <laughs> that I can, I mean, and that's what it is. It's in the contract sure. that I can do this, you know? Um, I think the greatest example of a player gaming the system to work for them was Cessna. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, like I, when that story came, I was like, I love that because first of all, the Mets treated him like shit for God, no, for years. And for him to game the system the way he did in 2020 to get to his free agency is amazing. Hey, and that should be
0: taught. And let's listen, <laughs> let's,
1: keep to rookies.
0: let's keep it with the Mets. I don't know what they're feeding those guys at the training table, but Stroman did the same thing. He was like, I'm yep. a little bit, yeah, I'm going to take a little extra time. He's like, Oh no, you know what? I'm going to opt out. And that's the reason why I thought he would, you know, forget Tony the Russa. Obviously we know why he's not going to yeah. sign with the White Sox. Now. That's why I thought he never signed with the White Sox in the first place. Because <laughs> I'm guessing Jerry Reinsworth takes notes and he's like, Hey, wait, they don't get to do that. <laughs> he did that. Yeah. Oh, I don't want him. Now granted, that's very short sighted. I hope yeah. he doesn't do that, but boy, I had a bad feeling when that happened. As much as I was applauding, I thought, well, you can scratch <laughs> Strowman off the list because White Sox ain't gonna play that way. They're more in the they're more in the the, the typical owner's seat of, hey man, why are you guys hitting yourself? Quit quit hitting yourselves. Yep. Why are you guys hitting yourself? Stop hitting yourselves. Well, and
1: to keep it with the Mets, you know, so one of the things that came out um going into the truncated 2020 season was that minor league teams that were still playing and still practicing that they couldn't use the spring training facilities um and i think it was Jeff Wilpon came out and like show, you know, the Mets just did this big overhaul of their spring training facility and Jeff Wilpon comes out and it's like, look how wonderful it is. Oh, this is what our minor leaguers should aspire to. And it was either Pete Alonso or Jeff McNeil said, yeah, that's what I want to aspire to. I don't want to have to worry about the fact that, you know, I'm eating a granola bar on the bus because that's the only thing that you guys gave me for lunch. So I think I think we could expect players to come out and say those kinds of things. Like you see Sean Doolittle is very vocal about, you know, different topics, but very vocal about, you know, supporting the minor leaguers. Um, I think we'll see, you know, I think you see players coming out and using that power the further into their tenure that they get, you know, we're not going to see it out of Nick Madrigal. He's brand new, you know, he doesn't want to rock the boat. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it out of like Dallas Keuchel because he is considered a veteran. Um, I would be surprised if we saw it out of James McCann because he's another one who's just kind of like, I'm not going to rock the boat. I'm just going to come in and do my job and go home. Um, But I would like to see the Players Association pick up the minor leaguers. I want to see them help them.
0: Yeah, you want to take some steps. It's The entire system is not going to get overturned. Uh, in one collective, new collective bargaining agreement, but it's imperative that steps need to be taken towards getting every baseball player taken care of. Uh, Obviously, you want major leagues, major leaguers, first and foremost, are the concern. It's a major league Mm -hmm. collective bargaining agreement, but Let's hope they can at least take some steps to the point where, yes, some weird ass like Instagram sandwich of like two stale pieces of white bread and mayonnaise as the box lunch given to the low A team for their bus ride uh, becomes something that we just sort of chuckle about that used to happen in the past. Again, the consolidation going back to where this all started doesn't necessarily Bode well, it's no guarantee okay. that those sorts of things are going to become this the distant past. And again, it could somehow find a way to get worse. But let's hope yeah. that there are some courageous voices. You know, even a Tim Anderson, he's a guy who who got his money early. And, you mm-hmm. know, you always give something away there. There were criticisms of the Luis Robert extension on both ends, mostly on the uh, tour of the White Sox. Because, again, it's, it's such an exploitive move to give a guy $80 million or $60 million guaranteed. But, you know, look at a guy like Tim Anderson who... Ken Williams took a a gamble on. He had just begun to show he had a fast climb. He had just begun to show his potential. And the White Sox Mm -hmm. said, hey, you know what? We're going to give you more than you probably have earned so far. But you may come around this time in your contract, start feeling like you're underpaid. Um, And, you know, again, I don't think that's necessarily the big sticking point coming into next collective bargaining agreement. But... There are guys like Tim Anderson who now, you know, are clearly. I mean, Luis Robert at some point is going to say, "Hey, wait, hold on, I'm getting paid eight million this year, huh? Uh, who who signed that?
1: You know, I have a so... feeling that service time is going to
0: be is going to be an issue
1: with the collective bargaining because we saw a little bit of it um, when they were negotiating the 2020 season. You know, how is the 2020 season going to play into my service time? How is this going to affect? you know, my free agency. So we saw, we saw a little bit of that. And I think, I think there's going to be more of it. I I really feel like that's going to become kind of a wedge issue.
0: Readers and listeners, we thank you for joining <laughs> us on our New York Mets podcast called Southside Shea. Uh, so, our really.
1: socialization podcast, our, our, <laughs> so, our socialism podcast, you know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> You know, sometimes we're on the side of the proletariat. Sometimes we're on the side of the Rangers. Sometimes we're scouting the Mets. You don't know what you're going to get when you tune in on the Southside Sox podcast, especially when someone like Colleen Sullivan joins us. We hardly even talked about the trash can Astros. So we're going to have to definitely put a pin in that and talk next time about that. But for now, uh, thanks to everybody for listening and reading. And thanks very much, Colleen, for joining once again. And I uh, hope to be hearing from you on the podcast again real thanks
1: story. for having me i'll keep coming back until they realize that i don't know what i'm talking about
0: <laughs> <laughs> until <SB> Nation <laughs> yanks the mic well, so I think wait I a might minute be, i might be first on that list but we'll see uh anyhow thanks everybody for listening and we'll be back at you with another south side Sox podcast with colleen or another one of our lovely and talented writers oh i don't know a week's time or so but you'll be hearing from us sooner and later thanks for listening.